Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Good morning, everybody. How are you? I like it. I like it. Welcome to uh, LifePoint. If you're a guest with us today, man, we are so, so glad that you're here. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors around here at LifePoint. And uh, man, it's, uh, it's so humid outside that you can actually see uh, the humidity out there. I was walking across the yard a minute ago, and a little bass swam by my face. It was... Uh, <laughs> Bad joke, I'm sorry, but it is very humid. I feel humid right now, and I wish I didn't wear this coat, but if I take this coat off, then you're going to... Anyways, I'm just going to leave the coat on, uh, because it'll be better for everybody if I do. Um, uh, But anyways, we're we're so glad you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. A couple things real quick. Um, First of all, Big Wednesday, this Wednesday. I know you just heard that, but I know a lot of you are like, well, we used to do a thing called First Wednesday, and this is probably just the same thing. It's really, really not at all. Um, we decided to take a little break from First Wednesdays, give it a little bit of rest, try something different for a little while, and this is something different, and it's very different. It's going to be big. Everybody say it's going to be big. It's going to be awesome. Kids, men's going to be going on up there, uh, up to third grade. Uh, the rest of the students are going to be in here in this room with us. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be some students on stage. We're going to start uh, aiming the service right at the, our students. If you're here, if you're a student, you don't want to miss because it's going to be for you as well. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but most importantly, we're going to lift the name of Jesus high, and we're going to see God. Uh, we're going to see God do some awesome things. So come join us. Even if you've never been to one of those Wednesday gatherings, come to this one. We're only going to do like two or three a year, and uh, this is going to be our first one. So we've never done one like this before, and we would love it if you join us. The band will be here. They'll be hitting it. Uh, they got some great music. They're going to do a little bit more uh, longer than normal. And then at the end, we're going to gather for uh, communion to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And we'd love it if you would be here. Um, for that. Baptisms next Sunday. And then, listen, guys, two weeks from today, two, weeks, two Sundays from today, we do a thing here at LifePoint, and we do it every year. We have since the very beginning of our church. Uh, we think we invented this because we never heard of anybody else doing this, and now a lot of churches do it. Um, but we're doing, we do a thing called Man Month. Any, any men in the house today? Any men? Six. Six men uh, that came today. Uh, glad all six of you could make it. Uh, we're the six of you, we're going to gather in a small group for Sundays. Uh, but we celebrate biblical manhood um, for those first three Sundays all the way through Father's Day. And we're going to have a blast. We, we, have, we eat crazy snacks for the dudes. We celebrate the dude of the day. Um, and it's going to be fun. We're going to be using, if you want to jump in ahead of time, we're going to be using a resource called I Declare War by a pastor named Levi Lusco. Uh, We're actually going to have some of those books available for you to buy. An amazing book, um, and we're going to teach a little bit from there, um, but it's going to kind of... Uh, it's going to kind of guide the talk, the, the, the messages, if that makes sense. Um, but the book is powerful and significant, and you should pick it up if you can before then. Uh, but all the men in the house, we're, we're coming for you, and it's going to be fun, and it's going to be awesome, and we'd love, love, love for you to join us. Invite your friends. We'll have some invite cards for you next week uh, to put in your hands, and you can invite your friends, your family, coworkers, whatever. And we just have a great, great time on men. If you've been to one before, you know um, it's different. We sing music that we are not, it's not church music sometimes. And uh, sometimes we'll bust out old Journey songs because I'm from the 80s and I like, I'm actually from the 70s, but I didn't start listening to music till the 80s. And so I like Journey, I like Foreigner, I like Chicago, I like Kansas, I like Boston, I like Def Leppard, I like uh, Bon Jovi. Um, I like, anyways, I, that's the, like the people today, I don't know those people. Um, all the, the small skinny dudes, I don't know any of those dudes. I just know the old bearded dudes like myself 
who are balding but hanging on for dear life. Can I get an amen on that? All right, so yeah. We sing that kind of music uh, at church. Manly, manly music. All right, anyway, so... The series is Chain Breaker, and what we've been doing is talking about the fact that Jesus came, he said himself, um, to break the chains uh, that bind people in life. And so on Easter weekend, we talked about the chains of the past. The next week, we talked about the chains of doubt. Then the next week, the chains of debt. And then uh, last week, the chains of shame. If you missed any of those or all of those, you can go to iTunes or you can go to SoundCloud or you can go to our Facebook page. And find that at our website, lifepointsa.com. You can go there and please take a chance at listening to some of those. Um, here's what Jesus said about himself. And he's quoting the prophet Isaiah in Luke chapter 4. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me, he has set me apart, he has empowered me to bring good news. And how many of you know good news is what we need? If you turn on the news, it's mostly bad. Have you noticed this? It's mostly bad. I don't listen to it. So some people will go, hey, did you hear about that thing? I'm like, nope. What happened? And they're like, well, the whole world blew up. Oh, really? I didn't know, you know, because I don't watch the news. But I'm, I'm ready for some good news. Anybody with me on this? Jesus says, I've, I've been anointed to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, not might be, not could be, but will be, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. Now, we've said this every week during this series, and I'm going to say it again today, that since the beginning of time, since the, all the way back at the Garden of Eden, God has a freedom plan for your life and for mine. And it is not God's will for us to be chained up by anything that binds us. And, and the Bible says that he will give us back everything that the enemy has stolen in your life life, that God's will for my life, that God's will for your life is not that Jesus would just have come out of the grave and be the only one who experienced that kind of resurrection power. He wanted to be the first one that came out and, and, and from the grave so that all of us could walk in the victory and the freedom that he won by doing that. Amen, somebody? That's the truth. And I just have a sense today that for somebody Today is going to be a game changer that maybe you walked in here because somebody made you or they promised you a steak if you came or even better, some big red and carne guisada. But um, whatever the case is, and I heard that there's a carne guisada, uh, no, no, a barbacoa and big red uh, tournament or something today. But that's, that's, that's going to be what heaven looks like over there. You know what I'm saying? Um, and where streets of gold and rivers of big red flowing, um, that's what I believe. Anyways, you can read it however you want to. But that's what, anyways, um, but, but I don't even know what I'm talking about now. I forgot completely what I'm talking about. Um, but anyways, there's, there's going to be some freedom from somebody today, and I just believe that you walked into perhaps a divine appointment that maybe you thought you were coming for one reason, but God had a completely different reason in mind, and that's what we're going to be doing today is, is praying for that. Um, I, I believe that, that some of us in this room today are carrying around Weights, baggage of, of bitterness and anger and unforgiveness in our lives. And I believe that God has come to set some of us free in this room today, or at least to begin that process in our lives today as we talk to you today about the chain uh, of bitterness. You know, what I've seen in my life um, is that anger and hurt and bitterness um, and resentment are huge forces in the lives of people, and that nobody sitting in this room gets a free pass from those things. Um, either that's part of your story or 
or people have, have, have laid those on you, that we've all been hurt, that we've all hurt people, and nobody in the world makes it through this life without having to experience uh, heart, uh, a harm and, and hurt. And, and, and I know everybody has hurts, but I know that some people in this room today have, have dealt with some really big things in your life, some really heavy things, that there are people today who are still dealing, still dealing with old wounds that run deep um, from parents or from somebody in a business thing who cheated you or betrayed you, a spouse that left you or, or abandoned you, and, and it goes to the core, and you're thinking, man, no way, bro. I know you're, where you're going with this message. No way can I let that go. No way can I, can I give them a pass. Now, if I'm being fully transparent, the truth is, is when you, when, when, when you lead anything, um, you all know this, whether it's in your businesses or in your companies or or wherever you're at, if you have people that follow you, occasionally there are people that will come in to your world, to your life, um, and it seems like their mission is to actually try to hurt you. Have you ever noticed this? Maybe it's just me, where people will come in and question your integrity or your character or your fairness or your goodness, and it's happened to most of us probably in this room, certainly it has to me. And, and there's this part of you when it's going down, if you're anything like me, there's part of me where... You want them, like, you want, to, you want to justice to be served. Like, you, you want your side of the story to be told because you know these people have told their side to other, uh, any number of people. And sometimes when, when you're the boss or you're the leader or you're the whatever, you can't go and, and defend yourself. And so you, you want vindication in front of those who, who heard your integrity or your character uh, maligned. Or, and you don't want it tomorrow or next week or next year. You, you want it today. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying by this? Anybody? Okay. And in your mind, there are images and there are fears and there are insecurities that you pick up that, that, that have been heaped on you and you, can't, you just can't feel like you can forgive that spouse or that person that did that thing to you when you were younger. And, and I get that. I really do. I, trust me, I get that. For some of you, you may be angry at somebody who, frankly, is not even living anymore. And they're gone, and yet you're still hurt by what they did or what they said or, or how they treated your family or whatever it is. And there's a grudge that you feel like you can't let go of. And what makes it worse is the fact that they couldn't make it right, even if they wanted to, because they're gone. And I've learned that in those moments, sometimes you just have to grieve things and let them go and because nobody can make them right. For, for some of you... Quite honestly, if you would say, I'm, 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 I'm angry if anybody, at anybody, it's, it's with God himself. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really angry at him. Like, I prayed prayers that I feel like should have been answered. Like, they were obvious and, 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 and worthy of being answered. And it feels like he didn't answer those. And, and you don't understand that. And you're like, I can understand that other people might let me down. But maybe you feel like God let you down. And, and, and you're angry about that. So, some of you would you'd say, you know what, Danny, I'm, I'm, I'm angry at myself. I, I broke my own heart. I, I broke my own faith. And you can't forgive yourself. And we talked about that last week. And, and I'd love for you to go take a listen to that. I don't have time to get in today. But, but let's talk about the chain of bitterness. Because through 26 years now in ministry, I started when I was four, by the way. Um, uh, I, I, have, <laughs> I have met so many people who are bound up with this particular chain. Like maybe none of the other chains have applied to you, but this one, I know, I know that there's people in this room today, some of the chains are really little um, and some of them are really big, but the best way I can describe bitterness is that it's, it's heavy. It's heavy. 
it's, it's a load that we pick up sometimes early on in life, and it just kind of gets heavier and heavier and heavier through life. And, and you really never know how heavy it is until you're not carrying it anymore, until you've offloaded it. You ever, you ever been going on a, a, a trip, and you have to fly, and you realize nowadays that they're going to charge you for everything possible that they can charge you for? Like, like the, other, the other day I was traveling, and they were like, those of you who are in uh, Section 5, Section 5, remember that you're not allowed to bring a carry-on on. It's like, if you're in Section 5, you're in the leper colony. Like, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna tackle you if you try to bring a carry-on, and we're going to put you at the toilet section with the small children that are going to scream the whole time you're there. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Like, because you didn't, you didn't upcharge to, to the normal category, which is this big anyways, but you can bring a little carry-on. But you can't bring a carry-on now, apparently, if you're in the leper colony. So you're like, I'm going to get around this, and I'm going to pack my little backpack. It's going to be the backpack of all backpacks. I'm going to buy it at Costco. You know what I'm saying? Like a Sam's. And it doesn't have any wheels because if you have wheels, you can't bring it on the plane. And so you're running through the plane. The, you're late, right? Or your flight was delayed and you're late. And you're running through the, you know, the, the, the plane and, and you, you, they dropped you off an E uh, terminal and you have to go to A. You ever notice that? It's never like, oh, I'm in B and I just go to B again. No, no, no. It's like, let's see how bad we can make these people have to run. They need to lose weight anyways. Look at that guy. And you're running through the terminal, and your bag's so big because you're trying to cheat the system, and you're knocking little old ladies down, right? And then you go, you finally get to the plane, and you're tired, and you're lazy, and you're knocking every head as you go down the aisle of, of the plane. <laughs> By the way, we hate you people. No, I'm saying, we, don't. we love you with the love of Christ. Um, but we pray for you to fall down a little bit. I, I remember one day I was, I was uh, speaking in, in Michigan, and the Spurs were playing the Pistons. This is how long ago this was. And we beat them in the championship. We beat them in the championship. And I was running to catch my plane. And I had this big old heavy backpack because I was trying to cheat the system. And this is back in the day when the, back, the, the, the laptops were like that fat, like a textbook fat. You guys remember those? Kids are like, what? Mine's like this big. You're like, yeah, they used to be this big, right? Like a textbook. And, and I was so tired. And I was like, there's David Robinson. And I walked past David Robinson. And, and then I was freaking out because there was David Robinson. And he was sitting in coach, which was really weird because his head almost touched like the air conditioner. Um, and then I was putting my backpack up and I was so tired from running that I slipped and dropped it on this brother's head. And it was, I was like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. And I sat down, you know, the shame, you know, the shame. And he starts cussing me in Spanish, right? And see, I don't know Spanish, but I know the cuss words because I grew up on the south side, y'all. I actually grew up on the west south side, like, like, like at, the, at the juncture of the south and west side. That's where I grew up, right? So I know all the cuss words and food. That's all the Spanish words I know. So the brother was cut me real deep, you know what I'm saying? Cut me real deep, Shrek. Cut me real deep. Because <laughs> I knew what he was saying about me. It's miserable when you have to overpack and you have to carry heavy baggage, and that's the best way I can describe what bitterness feels like. It's just baggage that you're lugging throughout your life that's weighing you down. And what it does is it does what, what mine did, is it's bumping people and it's, it's creating distance and you're dropping heaviness on other people. As you're trying to lug it, you drop it on other people and it creates gaps and distance in relationships. That's what it's like. I, I talked to a friend of mine over lunch this week and I hadn't seen him in months and He's been divorced for about five years or so, and um, throughout those five years, he would tell you that they were pretty miserable, uh, in part because of all the bitterness that was associated with that relationship uh, dissolving. And he said, 
at Christmas time, they just made an agreement. We can't live like this. We have to fix this. And they came together and they cried and they really repented to each other for the way they'd been acting. And, and, and he said, bro, I cannot tell you how much lighter I feel like right now. And this is his exact words. He says, it feels like 1,500 pounds have been taken off of my shoulders. And for the very first time in five years, I feel like I can move on. You could just see him just breathe. That, that there's freedom in breaking the chain of bitterness. There's a load that gets lifted that's indescribable unless you've experienced that. Th this is why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, he says, get rid of all bitterness. Rage and anger, which are two forms of anger. Rage is the quick, explosive kind. He says, get rid of that. And, th and then there's that longer, tenured kind, uh, which is what he talks about with the word anger. He says, get rid of brawling or that kind of arguing that goes on in a lot of households where there's just shouting and yelling at each other. He says, get rid of that and slander along with every form of malice or evil. Instead, replace it with being kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving or, or extending the kind of grace that you've been given um, each other. And, and he says, just as in Christ, this is how you do this, just as in Christ God forgave you. So he says, get rid of this, replace it with this, and here's how. Just as this is the pattern, this is the model for how you do this. Get rid of bitterness. Well, what, what's bitterness? Well, there's, there's any number of ways to describe it, but bitterness happens, it occurs in our lives for the most part when we feel like someone has taken something from us and we are powerless to get it back. Maybe it was an opportunity. Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe it was our childhood. Whatever it is, they've taken something from us and we are powerless to get it back. And what we do then, oftentimes some of us will just go, oh man, I can't get that one back. I'm going to move on. But others of us will hang on to that and, 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 and remind ourselves over and over again, we'll replay the injustice that we've, we've experienced. And sometimes we'll, we'll learn to tell that story uh, over and over again to other people. And by the way, that when you're doing that, you're only feeding the injustice, Right? And, and, and fortunately, bitterness only makes our sense of the injustice grow as we repeat it, as we give it life. It does nothing but, but inflict more injury, and it causes the wound to become infected with anger and hostility. It, it comes from something somebody did to us or something somebody said to us that we internalize and we process, and then we identify. We internalize, and then we identify with it. And it becomes not just something that happened to us. It becomes... In a, in a small way, it's, it's, it becomes who we are. We have, we have pretty interesting language when we, when we talk about grudges. We often talk about them like we talk about babies because you can, you can, you can carry a baby or you can uh, hold a, 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 a grudge. You can carry a grudge. You can, you can bear a grudge on your shoulders. You, we, we even talk about how you can nurse a grudge, right? When, when you nurse something... You feed it the thing which, which keeps it alive, which helps it to grow. Uh, you, you can do that with a grudge. You can feed it hostile thoughts. You can feed it angry feelings. You can feed it distorted or one-sided perceptions. You can feed it hostile intentions until eventually what was a sort of junior varsity grudge becomes a full-blown, full-grown grudge. And people will walk around and they'll carry that that, as that growing grudge for days or weeks or even years, and we all know people like this. H husbands and wives become next level at this, right? 
We get into an argument over something small, like whether the toilet paper should come over the top or from the bottom. Clearly, it's from the top. Can I get an amen, somebody? Yeah, I thought you were going to boo me or something, right? Anyways, and, 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 or maybe it's a bill or how somebody spent some money. And while we may be fighting over this bill or some other small thing, over time, the subtext, the underlying thing is, well, I'm working harder at all of this than you are. Or my life is harder than yours, and that's why I'm so angry at you right now. That's what the subtext is. And the next thing you know, you start to withdraw, and you speak to the kids, and you love on the kids, and, but you freeze out your spouse in little ways until eventually you're generally a nice person to most everybody else, but it can get pretty dark. And I've seen this over and over and over. And you keep doing that day after day. And you keep doing that week after week. And over time, you find once where you had a heart of generosity and, and love towards a husband or a wife or a mother or a dad or a sister or a brother or a business partner or a friend, where there, there, there's a growing gap and eventually it becomes heavier and heavier and heavier to carry. And all the joy and all of the, the generosity of spirit and the goodness of humanity, it's all sort of leaking out of you to the extent where you find people who would say, hey, I don't love you anymore. That's how that happens. That's how that happens. But all the forces that conspire to, to crush the love outside, out of a human's heart, that conspire to keep you from becoming the kind of person that you want to be, much less the kind of person God wants you to be, all the forces of judgmentalism and coldness and icy anger and frozenness and bitterness and, and meanness of spirit, all of that stuff begins to work inside of you, not towards everybody, but towards this one person. It happens, and you go, no, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. That's what happens. It's just a matter of time until it begins to pervade your whole personality and it starts to infect relationships with people who didn't harm you. And you start hurting people just because you're hurt. And we all know people for whom this is true and sometimes that person is us. And I would say, why would we live like that any longer? Because there is another way. Jesus Christ, the greatest man who ever lived, came from heaven to this earth. And I don't know what you think about Jesus. That's up to you. But Jesus came, among other things, to proclaim to people, in light of God's mercy, in light of God's grace, in light of his love, there is another way. There's another alternative. You can, you can, you can, you can choose a different way to respond to the hurts of life than to hang on to them and process them over and internalize them over and over again. You can forgive. In other words, don't, don't choose bitter, choose better. Choose better. Peter uh, was one of the early followers of Jesus. We called them the disciples. They were the, the, uh, there was 12 of these men who left their lives, who left their jobs, who left everything to follow Jesus. And one day he comes up to Jesus. Maybe he's remembered that somebody has harmed him in some way. And he says to Jesus, uh, how many times do I have to forgive this guy? Like, like seven times? This is found in Matthew 18, which we're going to go to if you want to turn there in just a second. Now, I think that to understand the context of this encounter, we have to understand maybe what was happening uh, around this conversation, the setting that was happening for this conversation. In, in the Jewish calendar, which is very different than ours, one of the most important times of the year uh, is and was between New Year's Day, which is called Rosh Hashanah, and what was called the Day of Atonement, or what they call now Yom Kippur. It was a very sacred day, uh, the Day of Atonement, to the Jewish people because it expressed in, 
in unforgettable ways that, that God is a God of mercy and, and grace and that he loves to forgive people. And so they took this day very seriously because in their, their framework, this was the day where the, all the sins I committed in 2018, they get forgiven and rolled back, and now I have a whole year to just sin a whole bunch more times. No, that's not really what, but that's kind of how some people would process that. And this is the same way they process grace, but it's wrong. Anyways, so... There was a 10-day period between uh, the beginning of the new year and the Day of Atonement, and it was called the Days of Awe, the Days of Awe. And during those days, people would get ready, would prepare themselves for the Day of Atonement. They'd pray more. They would fast. And the single most important thing that they would, would have to do was to get ready for the Day of Atonement was to make sure that they had reconciled or at least tried to reconcile their messy human relationships. That was the singular most important thing to do during the days of all. That the rabbis would teach about this. One of them said it this way. For sins that are between a person and God, pay attention now, the day of atonement brings forgiveness. But for sins that are between a person and his or her neighbor, the day of atonement brings forgiveness only if, it's a big if, one had first sought to reconcile with one's neighbors. Now, let's just be honest that even Paul said that if it's possible, um, as far as it depends on you, to live at peace with all men, right? Meaning, he said, if it's possible, meaning sometimes it's not possible. So sometimes you can't reconcile. The, the damage is too great. But he says, if it is, you're supposed to try, as far as it depends on you, to try. But, but, but what, the, what the rabbis were saying here was, don't carry around a baggage of bitterness on the day of, of, of atonement, or it won't work. That, that's, the, that's, that's, that's the thing. Now, there's a real good chance that this is what Peter is doing. In, in this particular passage uh, of text in the New Testament, Matthew 18, Jesus is teaching at length, uh, it's a huge portion of text, on reconciliation. So scholars think that probably he was doing this teaching during those 10 days of awe when this is on everybody's mind. So it occurs to Peter, because this is what's on everybody's mind, that there's a guy who's offended him a bunch of times. Probably it was his brother, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, th there, there's a barrier between us and this other guy. It's his fault. And so how many times do I have to forgive him? And verse 21, he says, so how many times do I have to forgive him? Seven times? Now, just again, a little bit of context here. Peter's probably thinking, whew, Jesus is going to be very impressed with this seven times because even the Pharisees would say like three or four times max, and then you just wash your hands of them. And so he's like, Jesus is like, well, Right on, Peter. Like, I, even I wouldn't do that. But he, Jesus doesn't say that. Look what he says in verse 22. He answers, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Some translations will translate that to say 70 times seven. And if you're trying to do the math on that, you miss the point. Right? Come on. It's just like, this is supposed to go on, right? Peter, here's what's being said, underlying. Peter, you can, you can forgive this guy seven times and then go, you know what, he's not, it's not happening, and pick up a big old grudge and carry it around if you want to, or, or you can lay it down and follow me, but you cannot do both. You, you can, to this person who's harmed you, and you have every right to be angry and hurt and feel angry about it, you, you can forgive them from your heart, you can show mercy, or you can carry the baggage, and I'm telling you, Peter, 70 times 7. I implicit, put it down. So Jesus tells this story to sort of drive down his point and how serious he is about 
what the Day of Atonement means, what the Days of All look like, what, which was not just an Old Testament idea, but as we're going to find out, it was a New Testament idea. He tells a story, and I don't have time to read it because it's huge. He tells a story about what in our day would have looked like a CEO who finds out that his company has been doing some unethical uh, accounting practices. Now, nothing like that would ever happen in our day. Come on, can I get an amen? Right? But apparently it happened in Jesus' day to the extent that some employee maybe of this, of this CEO had embezzled like millions and millions of dollars. And so, of course, the CEO says, bring the guy in. And in this particular occasion, the guy comes in trembling. He knows, um, I'm, I'm toast. They're going to throw me in jail. There's no telling what they're going to do. And so he falls on his knees and he begs the CEO, the manager, the, the master, as Jesus calls it, for, for forgiveness. Please, please, I got a family, you know, help me. And so the CEO says, you know what, all right. Not only am I not going to have you thrown in jail, I am going to, I'm going to forgive um, the debt. I'm gonna, you don't have to pay the debt. Now, this is a key, one of the keys to understanding the story. In a situation like this, the debt doesn't just disappear, right? You steal $100 million. Um, somebody is going to pay for that. It doesn't just appear. Somebody has to pay. Somebody's got to absorb the loss. Who's going to take the loss in this story? Who's going to pay the debt? The CEO is, the master, and this is representative of God. Now, whenever you hear, read a parable you always have to say to yourself, well, who's God in this? And who am I in this story? And the truth is, is in this story, you and I are the guy who stole the money. You're like, oh, no, no, I didn't steal any money. Yeah, yeah, but that's, what's, that's what the story's about. So, so that's always the dynamic in forgiveness. Somebody has to cancel and, listen to me now, absorb the debt before freedom can be possible. You follow me? Well, now, this employee is like, can't believe it. So maybe as he's leaving the space, the room that he's been in, he runs at one of his underlings there and, he, and who owes him you know, what, what amounts to some chump change. And you'd expect that after having been forgiven this mountain of debt, which no person could ever repay in one lifetime, uh, that he would say, hey, bro, listen, bro, don't worry about it. High five, high five on that 50 bucks that you owe me. Uh, it's all good, man. This guy, wow. But he doesn't. He doesn't show mercy. He doesn't do the obvious right thing. Instead, he seizes the guy by the throat. He starts to do a chokehold on the brother, and then he wants to have him thrown in jail. And when the CEO finds out about the story, when the master finds out, he calls the guy back in for a second go-round, but the second go-round looks very different than the first go-round. And, and, and Matthew records it for us, what Jesus says. Verse 32, Then the master called the servant in, You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in his anger, the master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed, which was impossible. And this is how Jesus says, my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Now, one more verse just to provide a little bit more context. Matthew 6, this is before this story. The disciples say to Jesus, teach us how to pray. Jesus gives them this model for prayer. In verse 14, he says, this is the culmination. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I want to let that ring for just a minute. These are some of the most sobering words in all of the Bible. And there's a whole lot of people, including a lot of Christians, 
who live as, Jesus, as if Jesus didn't really say these, that if he didn't really mean it. So sometimes people will say to me, hey, Danny, what do you think Jesus meant by that? Well, I think it meant that if you do not forgive other people their sins against you, that your father will not forgive your sins. Oh, oh okay. okay. Uh, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, that's what it means. Very direct. It, it's interesting to me that in my own life, I will really embrace God's mercy towards me. Wow, it's good stuff right there. But how I'm often slow to give mercy to somebody who's wronged me. That in effect, Jesus' story is a story about me. Somebody who's been forgiven a mountain of debt, but that when somebody wrongs me, will try to carry around my resentment, my hostility, my anger, my hurt, and not forgive them the debt that they owe me. That's not true of you, because you guys are all next level, but Danny sometimes struggles in this realm. Is it okay that, that if I'm your pastor, you know that I'm not perfect? Oh, you're like, no, we know, bro. Look at you. We already know. Right? Je Jesus says to all of us that if we're walking around with unresolved bitterness and resentment, and if we refuse to do the work, the work of forgiveness and to seek reconciliation, if it's possible, that we are at severe spiritual risk, which is why Paul would say in Ephesians 4, get rid of all bitterness. Look, it's a scary, it's a dangerous thing to live your life like this. It's not just, oh, hey, Danny, give us a nice little word to help us know how to live a better life. Two points for living a better life. No, no, no. Get rid of it. Now, I know firsthand that it's not just that easy, is it? It's hard to forgive. I know that some of you are thinking, there's, 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 there's no way, man. Not yet. Not right, not right now. More time's got to pass. Inside of you, there's something that says, no way. I can't, I can't let them off the hook. I can't give them a free pass. Like, they're not even asking me for, for forgiveness. If they did, I would probably, but they're not even asking me for it. I, I, need, I, need, I need something else, man. I need some vengeance. I need some ju justice. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you about a day that's coming in the life of the person who's harmed you and, and, and in your life and mine as well. Charles Stanley, one of the great Bible teachers in, in my mind of all time, says that the truth is, this is his words, God is keeping very good records of injustice in this world. From snatched purses to lawsuits to abused children, God sees them all. God sees it all. One day, life as we know it is going to end. On that day, the judge of this world is going to set up court and every crime that's ever been committed from the beginning of time to right now will be tried. And when all is said and done, every man and every woman will receive just retribution for his or her deeds on earth. Judgment is coming, God says. Vengeance is mine. I will Repay, And part of what that means is that the vengeance factor, the justice factor that I so desperately feel like I need if I'm going to move on is his. It's not mine. It's not mine. I, I am not healthy enough or holy enough or loving enough or fair enough by far to be trusted with a thing like vengeance. So I have, an, I have a choice. Vengeance or forgiveness. But the third option is just to carry it around the rest of my life as it loads me down, as it creates gaps and distance and pain for other people. That's my third option. And, 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 and so 
we are told that in view of God's mercies, in view of God's grace in our lives, that we are to extend it right back, even though it's going to be very hard. Another observation that I'll give you about this, and I give this to you every time we talk about this, is that forgiveness is a journey. It's not a destination. It's a, it's a process, not an event. Super important to know that nobody's saying here today that, hey, we're going to just ask you to raise your hand at the end and say, I forgive, and then you can go out and it's all good. It's good. <laughs> I don't really know why I did it that way. It's not good. It's not easy. See, see, we're all hanging out in church this morning, and it's like, in, in, in churches, you know, we hear sermons like this. You often have them accompanied by some trite phrases and some like, here's three steps to breaking the power of bondage in your, or of bitterness in your life. And, and I get that, and sometimes we'll do that, but a lot of times they're, they're cheesy platitudes about moving on and, and whatnot. But it's not easy. It's not simple for some of us who've experienced like real pain and real abuse and real loss, it's, it's, it's hard and you're going to need the help of other people and, and you're going to need the help of God and I don't have any steps for you today. And you're like, well, don't you have three steps for getting out of this? No, I don't. You're welcome. You're going to need God and you're going to need people. And that's why we do small groups around here. And that's why we ha- we're, gonna, we're, get, we're getting ready to start up another mini semester this summer Six weeks where we just give people the opportunity to flesh some of this out. But you're going to need God's help. And the truth is that there's some stuff that's going to happen in our lives. It's happened in our lives that nobody can explain. Nobody can answer why people that we thought loved us hurt us. Why people we trusted left us. Why jobs disappeared. Why people we admired let us down. Why daddy left us. Why somebody was died. Why this incredible sickness came into my life. It's not so easy. It's, hey, get on with your life, man. Let it go. That's why forgiveness is a decision. It's not a feeling. Because if you wait until you feel like forgiving, you're never going to feel like it. If, if I say to you, hey, I want you guys right now to think about the person who's harmed you most in life. I want you to get a picture of their face, what they look like, what, they've done, what they did to you. And then I want you to go forgive them. And if you're starting to think about that person right now, the last thing you're going to do is feel like forgiving them. The one thing you're going to want to do is just to punch them real quickly like a rabbit punch in the throat until they choke a little bit. Come on, right? Am, am I serious or not? Or maybe you'd be like, no, 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 I got much worse plans for them than a small rabbit punch. <laughs> it's going to be longer than that. Slow motion. That's why it's a decision not a feeling, or you'd never forgive them. And, and, and we, we, we never feel ourselves into this kind of action. We act ourselves into this kind of feeling. In, in other words, forgiveness will always be granted before you're going to feel the need to, or feel the ability to, or feel the want to. So, so God's not asking you to forgive, and in, in, in his case, demanding that you forgive because they deserve it. God's asking you to forgive so that you can move on with your life. And for me, what I have discovered very difficultly is that the process always speeds up when I begin to pray for that person. And I'm not talking about like the kind of prayer like, God, could you let their toes grow together, God? Could you let the fleas of a thousand camels infest their bed? No, 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 not that kind of prayer. I'll pray for them, all right, you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about praying for their good, I have found it impossible to be unforgiving over the long term towards the people who have become the object of my prayer. That it's not even easy to start praying for them in the first place. 
It's very difficult to do that. But when I make the decision, the concrete decision to make that person an object of my goodwill prayer, I open the door of my heart just a little bit so that God can come in there and breathe on my hardened heart and he can melt the icy resentment and the, and the, and, and the, and the frozenness that is there. And so that if, you, that if you take all of that sin that's been committed against you, you take it to the cross where all sins are washed away, including the sins that were committed against you. See, we want to take my sins to the cross so that I can have them forgiven, but I don't always want to take the sins that were committed against me to the cross where they'll be forgiven as well. All sins washed away at the cross. And I think, in light of what Jesus tells us in that story to Peter, that there's only one thing that allows one human being to withhold forgiveness from another human being is when I forget when I live in a kind of denial of the infinitely greater amount of forgiveness that I needed from God. That my forgiveness came at the cost of the cross, that it came at the price of the death of Jesus, that as he sat there on that cross, as he was hung there on that cross, having endured yelling and mocking and shame and spitting on and slapping and beating and, and a crown of thorns that the creation begins to mock the creator. And Jesus looks up to heaven and here's his response to all of that. Father, forgive them for they don't know what it is that they do. And he prays and he asks God to forgive them for what they're doing to him while they're doing it to him. cost of our forgiveness to God was monumental. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That he who did not spare his own son, how will he not also with him not give us graciously all things? That's how much it cost for my forgiveness. Therefore, there's only one safe place to take my bitterness, to take my grudges, and that is to place them at the foot of the cross because ultimately we do forgiveness at the cross where Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins. The cross is the reminder of these words, I forgive you because that's what the cross represents. And we have a phrase that we hear, we hear, hey, forgive and forget, but the truth is probably you will never forget. And instead, forgive, but don't forget what Jesus did on the cross for you. And the only way forgiving somebody else makes sense is when you remember and recognize the price that was paid on Calvary for you. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I know me. I know my story. I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve God's forgiveness, but God said, Danny, I'm gonna die on a cross even though you don't deserve it. And now he's saying, hey, and I want you to know, I want you to know that you forgive one another, not because the people that you're gonna forgive deserve it. You forgive them because I forgave you when you didn't deserve it. I'm wondering today, whatever burden you're carrying around, would you be willing to start today the process of laying it down? with a prayer, whatever your hurt is, whatever your bitterness is, whatever the weight is, would you start by saying, God, I forgive this person for this thing that they did to me. Can, can I tell you, I, I honestly believe that there is no force in the world that human beings have control of that is more powerful 
than forgiveness. That nothing that is with our own realm of, of possibility, of control, has more power to transform us like forgiveness. Like, like literally, there is no miracle in this world like the miracle of, of, of forgiveness. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you love God, you've been forgiven an infinite debt, and that's the story that Jesus tells. You have been cleansed from the ultimate sin stain, and what God has given you, you are to reciprocate and give it to the hurt and the hurtful people around you. Even if they don't ask for it, even if you never ever say it to their face, you forgive them because life is too short to carry around the chains and the weights of bitterness and unforgiveness. Amen, somebody? I, I, I wouldn't hate it if you'd bow your heads and just pray with me for a moment. And if you've got something going on, if somebody came to mind, if something came to mind, if, if something as you started to think about that person, something started to come up inside of you, you just need to know that's God saying, hey, listen, that's, a, that's an area. I'm going to put my finger on your heart. That's an area that we need to work on. So Lord Jesus, as by your spirit, you convict us. As by your spirit, you start to shine light on the dark places and the recesses of my own life where I have justified my own hostility, my own anger, my own bitterness because of what was done to me. You're saying, listen, that doesn't, that doesn't how it works. It's not how it works. Lord, would we, would, we, would we see the cross today? Would we see the gospel? It's not only the thing that saves us, but gives us the, the, the capacity to forgive others who've harmed us. That we don't just need the gospel to, to save us, but we need the gospel to, to just keep us right with people and with you, Lord. And I just pray that as po- folks are thinking about that, that, Lord, as people are thinking about the pain, the hurt, the turmoil that's happened in their lives and how they've been carrying it, that they just make a, a conscious decision of the will. I lay it down. I know it will be a process. I know I may have to lay it down again and again for a season, but slowly and over time. And God, as I begin to make them an object of my prayer, Lord, you have the capacity to change my heart. And and what I found through forgiveness is that God doesn't always change the other person's heart, but in the process of me forgiving, he changes my heart. And Lord, that's what we need. Would you change my heart? Would you set me free? Would you cleanse me? Would you make me new? And would you give me the capacity to walk away lighter, brighter, and different? I pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.